Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is author and speaker, Dr. David Camp. Uh, We're going to be talking about how to navigate difficult conversations with neuroscience and compassion. Just about everything going on in the world today requires difficult conversations and or navigating or navigation around opposing views. The key to navigating them in order to build a more productive and inclusive world is to use neuroscience and compassion. This is according to Dr. David Camp. He's taught strategies for changing attitudes and behaviors to audiences, including the White House, Ford Motor Company, and Princeton University. He's often referred to as the White People Whisperer. Dr. Camp is an expert in the areas of inclusion and equity, cultural competence, and intergroup dialogue. He's the author of several books, workbooks, and founder of the Dialogue Company, where he empowers individuals and organizations to skillfully access their own experience and use them as powerful stories to build a better world. Uh, Welcome to the show, David. Nice to have you on this morning. It's so great to be here. Thank you. Well, you are so needed in this world today, given what is happening, whether it's politics or COVID-19. Where do we begin? How do we navigate these difficult conversations that it seems most of us have almost every day? I mean, it's especially with politics um, and maybe also with, yeah, with the pandemic. So how do we, how do we, let's take those two topics. Yeah. Well, there's a couple, there's a few key things. One of the key things is to decide that at the beginning of a conversation where you know you disagree with somebody, it's important to adjust your attitude in a couple of ways. First, you have to decide, I want to connect with this person. I think a lot of times uh, what happens is we're in a, we're in a, a combative situation or we think we, we decide it's combative and we decide the other person is an enemy. And, and that capacity is deeply ingrained within us. And we have to consciously choose, this person is not my enemy, this is, another, this is another human being who I'm either already connected to or want to be connected to, and I'm going to focus on the possibilities of connection. So that shift of wanting to, to connect is an important shift. Along with that, it's important to do some self-regulation, like to decide to relax, to, decide, to take some deep breaths. You might even walk away, the conversation beginning, and you realize, oh, I'm getting kind of agitated, let me go to the bathroom and just take some deep breaths or do whatever you have determined is good for you to relax. That's a critical thing. Um, so that's, so there's a, there's a, there's a self-regulation component. There's also, uh, what's important to do is to, is to say, I'm going to find a way to, to get common ground with this person before I focus on where we disagree. So it's kind of like the ABC agree before challenging, Right. So you want to make sure that before you go right into how you disagree, what you want to do is to say, how can I find agreement? And the way to do that is to ask questions. Like that's, a, that's an important thing to do. A lot of times we go into conversations and what we're ready to do is to tell, tell the other person how they should feel instead of finding out how they do feel and why they feel like that. So... I mean, there are other steps to the process. I have a process I call the uh, REACH method, which embodies all that. But I want to, but first of all, does that make sense so far? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I was going to put it in, you know, even a more specific context because I have, uh, and I'll give you a personal example. You know, I'm watching these 
these these hearings for the, the Supreme Court justice, and I, it's very difficult for me to sit there and listen to those that I totally disagree with, you know, and I can tell you my, you know, if I'm listening to Dick mm-hmm. Durbin from Illinois, he's uh, fabulous, and then the next person who comes on, I can't listen to, but I did do, I do do, try to practice what you just said, actually, kind of walk away from it, because I can't listen to the whole thing, I can't listen, and I'll be, I can't listen to Ted Cruz for the whole segment, so I guess I'm sort of, <laughs> you, <laughs> you know, hey, that's it. That. Even yeah. his Republican <laughs> colleagues don't like listening to him, but that's a different question. <laughs> okay. Uh, but I can feel my blood pressure going up and, you know, and I feel myself getting angrier and angrier. So I do walk away. Okay. Is that what you're talking about? That's somewhat right. well, of an I'm, example. Well, yes, I'm talking about that. But so, the, so this, I want to, I, I think it's good for you to do that self-regulation practice in the TV. But let's, I, I just want to make a distinction between um, relating to difficult concepts or d- disagreeable concepts on the TV versus another human being. I think that, it's useful to use those situations as practice, but ultimately uh, uh, what's happening on, on the television is, you know, th- those people are not having a dialogue. They're having a debate, and maybe it's useful for them to have a debate because it, it's really for the sake of observers. Sometimes debates are good for observers. But with, with another human being, what you want to do is to shift a conversation from a debate to a dialogue. That's, that's, that's a, that's, that is part of what I'm talking about, but the, the whole notion of, asking questions to try to understand where they're coming from is part of the shift from debate to dialogue. Another part of that, um, from, a more, from an intention standpoint, remember I said that you want to connect with the person? Well, the notion of trying to find the common ground, that's more of a dialogue orientation than a debate orientation anyway. In a, in a debate, you're focused on finding what's wrong with the person said. In a dialogue, you're focused on finding what might be right in what the other person said and then trying to build some sense of potential collaboration or common ground. So, so the, again, the attitude shift, that's why I started with the attitude shift. That's so critical. Now, when you're yeah. looking at looking at Ted Cruz on a TV, you know, you're not, it's a different kind of a thing. You're, you're more, you're, you're practicing maybe, but you're not, I'm not, the same things don't apply to, as an observer to a debate. Okay, so I get that, but let's talk about, like, and I I do, yes, I understand that. So when you're actually in a dialogue with another human being, and you, one person is pro-Trump, and the other one is pro-Joe Biden, what's the common ground? Okay. What could be the common ground? Okay, so remember I said you ask questions? What you want to do is to try to ask questions that are not about what they believe. You might give them a little room for that. What you want to do is to find out their experience. You're, you're better off having a conversation that's about experiences, not just about beliefs. So, you know, suppose that they, we can, we can, we can go with Trump-Biden, we can go with a specific issue. You know, we can go with a mask. I, want, I don't want to wear a mask. I think this mask thing is overdone versus I'm disappointed to wear a mask. Like, either one of those, right? Okay. What you want to do is to shift them from having them just restate their beliefs to tell me an experience you had that makes you know that that belief is true, right? So you want to shift the ground of the conversation from beliefs to experiences. There's, there's neuroscience reasons why. Basically, part of what happens when we're in a conversation with people who have a different belief system is that what happens is that the part of our brain that is enacted when we are under physical threat is also enacted when we're under ideological threat. And, and we, it's so, so first of all, we, our flight or fright response 
flight or uh, flight, fright, or freeze response gets generated. Part of the reason I said relaxing, relax is because it's important to try to squash that. So that's one factor. Also, what happens is, is that what we do uh, in, a, in a common situation is we tend to try to use facts to uh, rebut people. And it turns out there's something called the backfire effect, which basically um, says that when you try to uh, counter somebody's arguments with facts, usually what they do is just double down on their beliefs. Like it doesn't really work in the vast majority of the cases. So that's another reason to not have the conversation based on facts and beliefs, but to shift more to experiences. But, but there's an additional reason, and that's also because in our brains there's something called mirror neurons. The mirror neurons are part of our brain that, uh, that tend to try to mimic what we think somebody else's brain is doing. So, I mean, you've seen situations where laughter is contagious or yawning is contagious or crying is contagious. You have, you've seen that, right? Yes. Yeah. So what's going on with that is people are, you know, if, people, if you identify with somebody, and people have different degrees of this, but the point is, is that, like, my, my, my cry mirror neurons are really in, intense. So somebody starts crying, and I don't even know what they're crying about, and I start crying, right? That's just, that's just how I am on that. But we, and we're all like that to different extents. So what you want to do is to shift the, con- the conversation to stories instead of, <clears throat> and, um, uh, because stories and storytelling, mutual storytelling, fires up our mirror neurons more. That's why we cry at movies or why we're reacting to what happens on the screen because of our mirror neurons. So that's another reason why you want to ask questions to have them tell you a story that has to do with um, why they think the mass thing is overdone or the, a story of uh, what happens to them when they hear President Trump, as an example. So you're trying to get them away from the beliefs to the story. So that's, a, that's another strategy to try to shift it from dialogue from uh, to to dialogue from debate and David, would you say that a good example of that, or it would be some the say the relationship between Anthony Scalia and Ruth Bader Ginsburg? Uh, well, I think that what you what you see in that relationship is clearly um, the you see an attempt, a deep attempt, and a repeated attempt for them to go beyond their disagreement to more underlying having experiences together, and they clearly were not just focused on their differences of belief. What, you, what you're seeing in that is the reflection of probably a whole bunch of dialogues they've had where they put aside their differences of belief and went to a, more of an experience-based kind of conversational pattern. So that's a, that, that's, a, that's a beautiful example. We should all be striving for that, right? One of the things that I find is that people, I mean, that, what, what that, their friendship was just miraculous, and we should all uh, aspire to having friends like that if we have people in our circle on the other side of the ideological aisle. We should, but, and we're not going to get there by simply talking about our beliefs. We're going to get there by focusing on their experiences. You can refute somebody's beliefs, but it's really hard to refute somebody's experiences, which is why we want to have the conversations based on experiences, not just beliefs. So... So I think that's a really good, that's a great example that we should all remember. So then, so, okay, so you, you have them talk about their uh, experiences. What you want to do next is to try, and you do that in the form of a story, have them tell you a story about that, right? Then you want to try to tell them a story that tries to find some common ground with them. So let, let's say, for example, um, you tend to think that this, we need to really focus on mask wearing and that, uh, and that you, you don't like these governors which are prohibiting rules uh, of local regulations that don't allow it. Okay, so you, you're on the mask up side, they're on the mass are excessive side. 
in that situation, after you relax, uh, after you inquire, uh, you, you know, try to, uh, try to uh, elicit their experiences that, may, that drive their point of view, what you want to do is try to find some agreement. So if you, if you ever think that, for example, some of the mask-wearing uh, the crowd overdoes it, like, for example, I'm, I'm kind of in the mask-wearing crowd, but when I heard that Governor Whitner in Michigan was keeping people from you, you, you keeping people from voting because of the virus, and, and uh, I thought that was kind of excessive, even though I like Governor Whitmer, Whitmer generally. So what I might do is to talk about, is to agree with the other person's position uh, as much as I can, and then tell some ex- experience where they <clears throat> see that I agree with them, even if I'm agreeing with them in the minority of the time that, that they think is the majority of the time. I want to let them tell them a story that conveys to them I don't think they're crazy. So I, I call that the agree and confess step. So, um, so you try to find a common ground by telling a story, and then and you do all that before you try to move before you uh, before you try to move their opinion. So then you would tell a story that showed that illustrates how you feel. So all that together, uh, re- um, reflect, calm down, inquire, ask questions, agree and confess, tell a story. And then harmonize, that all adds up to the method I teach called the REACH method. The REACH method. Uh, you know, the question I have is, do, are most people are capable of being able to do this? Because what you're saying makes so much sense. Absolutely. But in the moment, it's so difficult. How do people get to the point where they're able to, well, be aware and assess what's happening and do exactly what you're talking about so that you can make that connection, all these connections you got, that you're talking about. In you got to prepare for it. You got to prepare yeah. for it. You, you, um, um, some people you have to have watch Ted natural... Cruz and Dick Durbin and <laughs> you have to. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, what, how you prepare. <laughs> well, I mean, well, okay. In some, of my, in some of my trainings, I do a lot of trainings, primarily with progressive people, but not only, um, where I tell people, that uh, part of the training is you watch a news outlet, you know, you, listen, you watch Fox News, and progressive people, you watch, um, you listen to Rush Limbaugh for a little bit, right? And, you know, it's, it's almost like aversion therapy. You know how the, the somebody, I mean, you're, yeah. you're a social worker. You know when people yes. are afraid of spiders, they first have, think about a spider. And then yep. um, they have an image of a spider in the other part of the house you can't see, like all of that, right? So yep. similarly, um, if, if you are a progressive person and you just can't stand those other views, then maybe you try to watch Fox News for three minutes. I would suggest that you do. Don't watch the, 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 the three biggies at night. Look at the 7, the 7 p.m. lady. I think her name is Shannon Bream, I think, or that, that, what, the 7 p.m. Eastern time lady. The, she's, she's, she's less hardcore than the other ones, right? So you listen to that for a little bit and maybe increase that amount so that when you're talking to your cousin who um, is going to be saying things, he's a Fox News watcher, you're, you've built up some, some, your muscle of taking it in without necessarily without reacting like you might react today, right? So, but, again, Dick Durbin and Ted Cruz, they're at a whole different level. They're, 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 they're mostly having debates for the sake of us looking on. Who knows what they do in the back rooms? But, when I'm, but you're right. People have to get ready for this. So, so you know, I encourage people to do that kind of thing I just described. Um, and when I uh, teach people how to negotiate these kind of political issues, or I have another uh, a, a whole set of projects on talking to people across the aisle on racial issues, I encourage people to do, like, to practice in the mirror, to do role plays in, in the workshops I do, or with friends. My book suggests that people do that so that people can get ready for that. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm, not quest- I'm not questioning that it's hard, 
But if you have a relationship with somebody, um, it is important to do this. Like, 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 I, too many families are just kind of broken up. Like, the, the, like the, I know so many people who, like, have lost friendships or degraded friendships or family relationships because of um, politics, which I, just, I think that is just crazy. Like, like you know, and I would say do you think, I really Do you think that people, do you think that couples, actual couples can be together who, one is a, in this, in the context of what happened, happening now politically that you can have a Republican and a Democrat uh, married together getting along. Is that possible or a partnership sure. or whatever they um, are? I but mean, be- I, yeah, I, I, Sure it's possible. I mean, I've had people in my workshops who are in a, uh, a bicameral marriage or whatever we would call that, like a, a marriage across the aisle. I mean, it's not that many, it's not that many of people like that. And that's hard, especially hard when our cultures become more polarized, where, where part of what's happened, unfortunately, is that people feel like, um, you know, you're with us or you're with the terrorists. Right? You've you're, you're, you got to be on our side all the way. And, and if you don't get support from other people in maintaining good relationships with people on the other side, then that sort of moves you to not want to do that. But, yeah, of course, I mean, you know, people do that. It's, it's, it's rare and it's hard, but it's not impossible. But, you know, we've seen that. Sure, I've seen that. So, so my point is that the, the motivation wanted to go through the work of doing that, uh, that's important to get to, re- to remember. I, I don't want to, like, I've, I've, told, I've known people who said, I'm not going to talk to my cousin until Trump's out of office. And so I just find that just completely crazy, like, that people are doing that. Um, so, you know, I, I, my, I'm committed to trying to make Thanksgiving great again, frankly. <laughs> so I think that people need, <laughs> people need to be able to have these conversations. And so, that's, I'm very committed to trying to, um, to teach people that. But, yeah, to, to do that, you might need to do a little pre-work where you, you know, I'm gonna, you know I, I'm, I'm not going to see my cousin at Thanksgiving. I know he feels different about immigration, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn how to find something right in the other side on immigration. I'm going to practice with a friend of mine who looks like, looks like things like I do. I'm going to use this kind of method in practice. So when I get to him... I can, I can, I know what it takes me to calm down. I know what it ta- I know uh, how I've, I've practiced asking experienced questions. I've practiced listening. Um, I, I, I know what story I might tell to show I have common ground. And I also know what story I might tell in order to engage the issue, right? So it, it, I'm not questioning it takes, that it doesn't take work, but I think that given that the Russians are trying to get us to hate each other, I mean, let's remember that. We are yeah, under and they're attack. doing a good job, actually. Yeah. Right, we're under attack, and so I think it's 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 really important that people put some effort in to try to save first save our democracy from foreign attack, and second reclaim our relationships that have been undermined by this increased polarization, which isn't good for democracy anyway, and isn't good for our families. Yeah. United we stand and divided we fall. That's about it, right? Right. And we're about to have this super divisive election, you know, and who knows what kind of uh, violence might ensue by the fringe groups, which could, which potentially could make us even more at odds with each other. So I think it's important that people start practicing this now. That's what that's the, my, my latest book, or, or one of my two latest books, uh, is called Compassion Transforms Contempt. And that book is focused on uh, it's focused on white progressives. I think that this problem of people like uh, um, losing their family members that's this is more uh, more pervasive in the white community 
because white folks are more ideologically split than people of color. Um, so, and I think that, and I think there's, there's wisdom that black folks have about negotiating this, you know, dealing with people who have difficult views that we've had to, we've had to learn yeah. over for. So talk years. to us right. about that. That's an interesting, yeah, let, let, let's. Well, like, so, like, for example, one of the things I think that, that, um, that we have to be honest about is that, uh, black folks have had to learn that just because you feel something doesn't mean you can express it all the time. Right. I mean, so the, 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 the talk that people give to their teenage children, especially teenage sons, about how you deal with a police, police encounters that might be unfair, is all about you can feel angry, but you, you better learn how to not get angry, right? That's what that's about. And that, and that has been, that notion has been honed over hundreds of years. Like, you know, if you think about what my parents or grandparents or going back have to deal with, you can't always, just because of, of, you're mad because how a white person is treating you, you can't always act that out. I think that that there's a there's a the, the capacity to make a separation between how I feel and what I do is something that like if you're under an oppressive system you have to develop that white people haven't now had to do that so people feel like if I'm mad I'm just going to express it well you know mm, <laughs> there's consequences for that so you know and on a much less uh, lower level or whatever you know I had three I have three boys and t- three teenage boys and I used to say to them. And, and this is not this. It, it's on the similar plane. You know, you have to be careful because your boys. If you get picked up by the police, it's going to be different than if the three girls get picked right. up. It's that's just the way it is. And of course, you're taking it to you know, if you're a teenager, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. And that's well, something so the that. Notion, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, it, so yes, there's a male element and there's a racial element to that, right? Mm-hmm. So my point is, is that the idea that there's a place that you, uh, that you can access where um, you are going to, there's a, there's a place of center you can go to in the face of somebody's opinions that really, really bug you or are oppressing you. Like that's a, that's a, that on some level, black folks have had to know that because in order mm-hmm. to survive. So that's one thing. Related to that is the notion of being a spy. Like, like part of what is useful to do, if somebody is, you're in a conversation with somebody, and maybe you don't, maybe, maybe it's not somebody you're close to, it's somebody you made at the party, you never going to see them again, but you're trying to get through the situation. They have views, you, you, you want to be in a conversation with, around a topic where they have different views. You can decide, okay, in this particular moment, I'm going to try to use this moment to understand this other view. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to operate here as a spy, not as a warrior. I'm going to, just, I'm, I'm going to use this t- time to be curious, to ask questions, to understand how they're thinking, so that the next time when I'm trying to when I'm trying to back to my cousin, I can more understand where they're coming from because this other dude who's not my cousin, I've I've, I've had that conversation and I've not had it at odds with them. I've had it when I've been in a stance of curiosity and tried to hear them out. But the notion of trying to say I'm I'm going to be a spy right now again, black folks have had to learn how to do that for a long, long time because of the way that oppression works. So what I'm saying is is that there's certain there's self self regulation aspects that I think that, you know, people need to learn in general. And for, for, for bad reasons, black people have had to learn some of that. And, but, and that's part of what I try to capture in, in that book, Compassion Transforms Contempt, is that people need to access some of that wisdom that black people have had to uh, learn in order to have better conversations with their brothers and the cousins and the mamas and the neighbors so that we need to start all practicing this compassion because... 
in about three weeks, we're really going to need to start dealing with each other compassionately because we're going Absolutely. to be even more divided than we are now. So I, I hate my, to have one minute left. I could keep going on. This is a great conversation. So I want to be sure that people know, like, tell us a website so we sure. can continue to, yeah, to know what. Sure, sure. my website, yeah. and I would love to come back at any point. My yeah. uh, website is thedialoguecompany.com. So dialogue with the G-U-E spelling. And uh, on social media, on um, Twitter and Instagram, I'm at the dialogue guy, saying uh, dialogue with the G-U-E spelling. And, um, you know, I have uh, books about talking across the political divide. I have several books about talking across the, the racial divide. It's more of like how white folks should talk to other white folks about racism. White folks split in half about whether they think racism is real or not. That's something we need to deal with. And, you know, I do, I do speeches. I do workshops. They're all about trying to uh, empower people and inspire them around the compassion necessary for us to have more dialogue and uh, better connectivity and a better America through compassionately relating to people. Well, you're doing it. Great work. I, you know, fascinating work. I, I, I love it. So um, um, thanks so much for being on the show today. Yeah, I'd love to have you back. We've been talking about how to navigate difficult conversations, and that is with Dave, Dr. David Comp. Thank you. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. 